Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Well, Steve Keen is certainly a man of many surprises, isn't he? And his latest is that he is going to stand for the Senate in New South Wales. So he's packing his bags and heading back to Australia just as soon as they start letting people back in. So is this a good move? From an academic to a politician, from developing and challenging theories to creating sound bites for TV, how's that going to work out for him? Well, today we find out why he's doing it and what he hopes to achieve today in this free edition of the Debunking Economics podcast. Well, we couldn't really charge for it, could we? Because it's basically a party political podcast. That's today. So sometime next year, Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister, is going to call an election. And there are two houses that people vote for in Australia. There's the House of Representatives, where you vote for your local member. So it's geographically based, just like it is in the UK and many other parts of the world. Then there's the Senate, uh, which is a bit like the House of Lords, except it's, it's, um, it's well, it's, it's the second chamber, but it's not an old folks home for people who've not been voted in by the public. In Australia, the Senate is, uh, well, first of all, they're a bit younger and they're voting for on a state-by-state basis uh, on the basis of proportional representation and Steve hopes to be one of those representatives in the Senate from next year as a representative of a party called the New Liberals which in many countries is a name that would make sense but remember Liberal in Australia is a party that sits to the right of the centre whereas the New Liberals are not in the same sphere at all or they won't be should they get elected because it is a brand new party so we'll talk about the name in just a second but steve the obvious question why i mean you are an academic you have the luxury of time to explore ideas and discuss them and explain the reasoning which is you know what you've been doing on the blog and we've been doing in the podcast whereas if you are a politician well i just think you get less credibility for your ideas as a politician because everyone assumes politicians are out for themselves Whereas they don't assume the same for for academics because well because if you were out for yourself you wouldn't be choosing a profession mm. that paid so badly. Yeah, I mean, well, it was certainly not um, a, a deliberate decision because what actually happened was um, that I was approached by Victor Klein, who's the guy who founded the New Liberals, um, and the reason it turned out to be that he uh, he's, he's somebody who's very complicated life story and I, I for people who in Australia who are saying you know what is this party the new liberals who is this guy Victor Klein you can buy a book that tells you what Victor Klein is his autobiography called the house on Anzac parade um, but anyway the, the, that's the long of it the short of it is that he uh, in the middle of deciding that he just you know, had to form a political party to get rid of the duopoly of labor in in, in in liberal in Australia, which is effectively Democrats and Republicans in the United States, um, he had, couldn't just rely on the law side of things. He had to stand economics as well, and 
a whole range of other issues. So as you do these days, you dive into Google and see what you can find. Then he found me and found my work debunking economics. So he approached me after reading debunking economics and also being in touch with a range of people in the modern monetary field, including Bill Mitchell in Australia, uh, and and also coming to accept modern monetary theory. And then he, um, so out, out of all that, uh, out of the blue, he asked me, would I be willing to be their economics advisor? That was in April of, of this year, so April 2021. And uh, I'd, seen, I'd seen a few of his tweets, and I like what I saw. It's actually quite an aggressive um, uh, tweet that he has pinned to his profile, which talks about we're not going to just... Uh, you know, the Australians would remember Don Chip, uh, who was a member yeah. of the Liberal Party. Well, uh, yeah. Exactly. And in fact, yeah. The, 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 yeah, and he started... The, he was actually, before they became the Democrats, they were the new Liberals, weren't they? That's where they, you know... That, that, I'm not sure about that. That's an interesting... I'll have to look that up and see. But anyway, so Don Chip was a member of the Liberal Party, very well-respected, and classic small-L Liberal. And mm. he just... He got disenchanted, I think, with Malcolm Fraser... Uh, who he saw as too right-wing. Malcolm Fraser finally regarded the Liberal Party as too right-wing. And he, Malcolm Fraser resigned from the Liberal Party. Okay? People have to get this in mind. There's been a huge shift in the, in, in the actual nature of the Liberal Party over time. Uh, that, first of all, you had people like Don Chip, who was a very genuinely progressive, uh, politically progressive person, who was a member, and he resigned because he regarded Malcolm Fraser as too right-wing. Uh, then you for- fast forward to the 1990s when Fraser's Lieutenant Howard has taken over, and at some point ha- Fraser let his membership lapse, and he was asked, why did you leave the Liberal Party? And his answer was, the Liberal Party left me. Yeah. And, okay. So this huge shift from from a, a mixture of progressive and conservative views, uh, a, a fundamentally secular approach, nothing like the Republicans in America. Uh, now we find ourselves with a party which is pure right wing, quite reactionary, imprisons uh, refugees, whereas Malcolm Fraser. Uh, first of all, threw open the borders of Australia to let in refugees from Cambodia and refugees from Vietnam. That's why Australia's got this incredible mixture of cultures these days uh, that I, I think was one of the things Australians like myself used to be, still are very proud of that that happened, uh, to where, where Howard's, you know, uh, is about to lose an election uh, in 90, was it 1999, when he's looking like he's going to lose the election to Kim Beasley, and then a hapless uh, boat of refugees turned up and was rescued yep. by the Tampa, which was a Norwegian freighter. And the Norwegian captain, to his absolute honour, uh, took the people on board because that's what you're supposed to do with people you find in distress in the ocean. It's an unconditional uh, uh, responsibility of a captain uh, at sea to pick up uh, people who are in distress. And then to take them to the nearest country, which happened to be Australia, and John Howard refused to let them in, which was a breach of the laws of international uh, Well, it was uh, worse navigation. than that, wasn't it? Because yeah. we had the, the children overboard scandal, you might remember, where well, yeah. there, were, there, were, there were photographs that were released of kids in the water, uh, and people were going in the, in the in newspapers, releasing in front page news, and people were going, how scandalous these refugees will do anything, even chucking their own kids into the water. There's a question mark about where that photograph came from, and then afterwards it was discovered actually it had been crop to show that actually they were swimming from a from one vessel to to another uh with uh with people around them i mean it mm. was the whole the whole thing was, it was a staged total to fabrication take, yeah to, to a, make public sentiment against refugees yeah. even greater than it already was so when you've got but you see you've got them there's the thing 
you've got the Democrats. So Don Ship started the Democrats, the Australian Democrats. Mm. They 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 were trying to do exactly what the uh, uh, the the new Liberals. It was not they were quite, the, not quite, but let's come back to that. But they're trying, the, trying, the, trying to trying to trying to be the you know the party in the middle. Uh, the, the Democrats failed on that, and part no. of the reason they failed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. part of the reason they failed, though, I'd suggest, is because of the, the role that Murdoch and Australian media, and and also right wing chock jocks like Two GB and Alan Jones on, uh, on on TV every night are spinning all these stories, and mm. the power of the media is just so great that people go along with it, and it's it's hard to so you know it's 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 breaking the mold of politics, but you've got to break the mold of the, the Australian media, which is hard, and, that, and that's one of the intentions of the neoliberals as well. But let's actually go mm. back to Don. Chips for a second. Don Chips, uh, having seen what he saw as you know, underhand behaviour inside the Liberal Party and not particularly good behaviour by Labor at the same time, his slogan was keep the bastards honest. Well, yeah. Victor's um, uh, slogan, and you can see it on his pinned tweet, is we'll put the bastards behind bars. You said it's gone well past the point of the case of keeping them honest. No bloody way they're honest. Um, uh, we, and they've, they've done stuff which is absolutely corrupt. The only reason they've got away way with it is that they, uh, they don't face any um, regulation or any, any, any oversight of whether they're behaving in an ethical fashion or not. Um, so we're going to have a, a, an international, a, a, a national level independent commission against corruption, which will be set up in such a way that it can't be unfund, underfunded, unfunded, won't be run, won't be uh, chaired by lawyers, but by people from, I think the idea is, I'm not sure about this part, but I think it is that it'll be sort of uh, publicly respected uh, people on, on the board, not, uh, not the legal, uh, legal eagles. Um, and with the capacity retrospectively to put people in jail for what is corrupt behaviour. And that might include such things as using a, um, a sporting grant uh, to give money to uh, a Liberal Party uh, marginal seats to try to buy their vote at the next election, that sort of thing. So right. it, it's much, much tougher than what was proposed for, for, for the Democrats. But, it's, but what you're talking about, rightly or wrongly, I mean, you know, it's a grubby world politics, isn't it? And, and, and my concern would be that you then get wrapped up in, in that sort of thing where you're saying, well, these people have misbehaved, therefore they need to uh, they need to be brought to justice and that's the role of that's the role of us to try and clean up the act. That's just uh, that's just dealing with the with the past. It's not it's sort of trying to clean up the past. It's not actually developing a uh, a, a progressive approach for for the country. And it's that's just only d- that's d- dirty politics. That's why we keep on saying take a look at the web page because the po- I mean I've still got to write the economic policy. You know, everybody who's doing this is doing it. Uh, as a non-politician, so there's n- not a single person who's had a career in politics is part of the advisory uh, group, let alone part of the candidates. Uh, and so we're doing this stuff when we when we have time in our day jobs. And you know, my day job is rather busy, uh, so I'm mm. a bit behind time on, on writing up the the economic policy and the housing policy. Uh, but the the focus is that we have a, a whole range of reforms we need, and we need to have people with expertise who are not driven by ideology putting those forward. So, for example, one of the most recent people to join the party as an advisor is Simon Chapman. Now, you might have been around. I don't know if it was true or not. Do you remember the uh, the anti-smoking ads in, in Australia? Uh, no. 
But I mean, okay. you know, but I, well, I, the, the, I do the, like the, the fact that Australia, more than most countries, has, has tackled smoking like you can't. So. And, and a large part of the reason for that was one Simon Chapman, because right. Simon came up with the slogan. Uh, and by the way, we, we talk about um, uh, Morrison as being Scotty from marketing and send up things like he, you know, he's, he's crazy uh, when he was director of Australian tourism before he was sacked from the job. Mm. Um, he, he came with the slogan, where the bloody hell are you? You know, is, is, a, is a tourism ad for Australia. Well, Simon's gem about smoking, rather than saying it's bad for your health, blah, 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 was kiss a non-smoker, enjoy the difference. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> no. You but he's see? dead okay. right. My two, first, my two, first two, wife was a smoker. Yeah. yeah I've, I've ever had the same experience. Two, two lips meeting and in the middle is a strawberry. Uh, and, and that and that was now that was the most effective anti-smoking campaign ever, and, and and so Simon was part of that. And this is the sort of person which is which are being attracted to what Victor's trying to achieve because what what we are all been you know grumbling about for twenty, thirty, forty years is the decline in the standard of ethics in in politics in general, but particularly of course in Australia, our home country. And uh, you know yeah, bloody you, you can't trust them, etc. They, they're morons blah 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 and you go on paying past the next drink and in that situation victor found himself in the same situation and finally said what about we form our own party and he developed a set of, of, of general principles some of which are rather neoliberal and in, in sound i must say from my own point of view but about freedom and and uh, you know freedom of movement blah 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 uh, but a, a set of core principles and he found everybody agreed with the core principles um, so he thought well maybe i should try forming a party around it and that was the genesis of the new liberals and then when people like myself looked at this and this includes simon uh i I congratulated simon for signing on and he said he couldn't fault the policies that he saw being put forward by the by the new liberals so um he thought it was time for a change and he like he's we're in us we're both in our late 60s you know all um, the, the, Victor's 69, I'm 68. I think Simon's my age or slightly older. Right. Uh, none of us none of us need to do this. Yeah. You know, we're ready to give just, up on life yeah. and become politicians. Yeah. So the Something like that. <laughs> so uh, do, uh, we'll talk about the policies in a second, but why the name mm. New Liberals? New Liberals was, by the way, that's what the, uh, that, that's what the Democrats did, were formed from, looking at looking Oh, at right, online. okay, the New Liberals. That's so so it's been used before, but, but it was used back then. And I'm just wondering, I mean, and it makes sense in their case because they came from the Liberal Party, whereas you're not coming mm. from the Liberal Party. And, to, and there's well, a this, danger, this, I, yeah. think, I think it's the wrong name because I think there's a danger um, it could be read the other way, where you've got people going, oh, yeah, well, the Liberal, I hate the Liberals, so the new Liberals are going to be even worse. Or you have That's, the right wing of the yeah. Liberal Party going, yeah, they're not right enough. Uh, so let's get the end. It's great. We've got the new Liberals. They must be more Liberal. They must be more Liberal than the Liberal But For those people from outside Australia, the Liberal Party, by the way, is the right wing party. It's like the Conservative Party in the UK, uh, possibly even more right wing. So, the, well, actually, maybe not lately. Mm. But the um, <laughs> but so it's I mean, it, I don't know. It's the wrong name, I think. I don't know what you call it. Well, you just well, that, that was, the that new was, Democrats I mean, might be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, that's a possibility, too, I must say. But the reason that uh, Victor chose, he chose the name before any of us, you know, decided to jump on board. So I went through the same. I went through the same reaction. Huh, pardon? You're huh? getting to change it. Well, we've been, we've been forced to do it. There's two main reasons why he chose it. The first is he's looking back to the Rousseau vision of a liberal, the 19th century philosophical principle of liberalism, you know, John Stuart Mill and, and, and so on, and the idea of, of, 
uh, you know, and even Voltaire, you know, I, I disagree fundamentally, but I'll fight to the death your your right to say what you believe. That's that sort of idea of liberalism as freedom of expression. Mm. That's that's what that's just, that was one thing. Um, secondly, from, from back then, okay, but from back then, hold your thought on the second one. Just on that, it's isn't isn't it? toxic in in politics to start uh, anything that seems to be harping back to the old days and that would be my other big concern about it as well that like we're doing what would what have been tried decades ago and we're going to do it we're going to give it another go and people go well hang on life's moved on a bit now are you guys going to be just the oh wasn't life great in the old days party yeah and that's and that's um you know, that is quite a, a, a feasible perspective i mean i don't think that the classic 19th century liberalism is going to work in a world of incredible supply shortages and global warming and you know a catastrophic decline in our capacity to produce so those sorts of things uh you know but it was it's it's just the name that was started with and mm. and uh and then the classic thing is it was also thinking that you have so many people who themselves can't bring themselves to vote labor like we've got it's the same thing again for americans imagine somebody who's voted republican all their life and they think of what enough start voting democrat they you know oh, i can't do it you know i'll start I'll, I'll hold my nose and vote for the republican even though i'm a progressive republican that there are must be a few of them left on the on the in, in the united states um so same sort of thing for australia people who vote liberal because they can't bring themselves to vote um um for the uh, labor party uh, but their principles are more like Don Chip and Malcolm Fraser, who these days would be regarded as on the on the left of the Liberal Party, uh, and that's 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 sort of partially the cohort we're aiming for, or Victor was Victor was aiming for by forming the party, and he also made a, a, a commitment which has not been broken despite how the Labor Party has behaved towards the new Liberal sense that there would be no candidate run in a Labor seat. So this this is one thing which uh, non uh, I hope we've still got some foreign listeners listening in on this one, not uh, non Australian listeners. But the Australian political system is very different to America or the UK. Uh, it's more like Europe in the sense that there's um, pr- uh, there's proportional representation in the main chamber in the second chamber of the Senate, which is the one that I'm now running for. Um, so if there's six positions available, if you get one six plus one vote. Or, uh, a one seventh plus one vote, mm. at the, then you then you get elected. Uh, but in in the uh, in both that and the lower house, there's um, pre- pre- preferential voting. So you don't vote just tick next to one candidate, which is the American or the UK system. You vote for all candidates in numbered sequence. If you don't fill out all numbers, then your vote's invalid. Uh, but if you're for, if you vote for the uh, what was one of some of the great parties in the UK, the Raving Loony Party, for example, yeah, mon- Monster Raving Loony Party, yeah, that's right. Well, they okay. uh, never, okay. well, yeah, but they had in the in the Australian Senate. Uh, so you stand a chance here, Steve, because there were people like the yeah. Mot- Motoring Enthusiast Party, for example, who got, yeah, a, that's right, got yeah. a seat because so, of this very complex... And the Shooters m- Party. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, even more obscure because, yeah, the, what you're describing, you pass on your preference to somebody else and then they can pass mm. their preferences on. So you can actually have one vote where it get, you, that preference gets passed on several times to mm. a uh, very obscure party which didn't get very many votes but got lots of preference votes and somehow find themselves fronting a senator. As a voter, like the last time I voted in Australia back in, in before 2014 when I left the country to go and work, work in the UK, but it happened, I was in Surrey Hills electorate at the time, and there was the sex party there. Right. And there was, the, there was also the marijuana party, and there was, uh, this is actually on the on the House of Reps, so the voting for the, winning uh, the, uh, the seat of Surrey Hills, I've forgotten what it's actually called, but that particular seat in the... Uh, 
Australian Parliament was up for grabs. There might have been, this might have been a state election, actually. So the Sex Party, the Marijuana Party, and then uh, Fred Nile was also running, who's an arch-reactionary <laughs> religious jerk. Uh, so I gave my preference to Sex Party first, Marijuana Party second, then third last was Labor, second last was Liberal, and third was Fred Nile. Um, and you can you, you can have you make, it makes election day a bit more fun, you know, if you actually get in, have to you can actually do this sort of stuff. Knowing that, my vote would ultimately go to the Labor Party. Mm. Okay? Now that wouldn't happen in the UK. But, there was, but to, you're you know, working on the outside chance that maybe the Sex Party would get in. But if they didn't, then your well, vote went to Labor. But um, well, no, the Sex Party that? might, oh, and, and, then, and then it could have been the Marijuana Party. You know, if you, if you get it, so it's possible even in a representative uh, election, seat election where there's only one person who's going to be elected, uh, it's possible that. Uh, if if one of the non main the non labor non liberal the same to say non democrat non republican uh, voters gets more than either the republican or the democrat, then let, let's say it's a situation for Australia which we're hoping for. Let's and let's take North Sydney as the case because this is why I'm running for election because Victor decided the party was seen to be doing well enough that it's worth having a punt at getting the leader into the House of Representatives rather than into the Senate. So he decided he was the prime Senate candidate. He decided to become the Senate candidate, the, the local electorate candidate for North Sydney, which is where he lives. Now, in North Sydney, it's, it's a you know, very wealthy uh, community which normally has a very small Labor vote. Often Labor doesn't bother running. But if you had Labor and Liberal uh, in North Sydney and, and you had, you know, one independent running, it's quite possible that the independent could get ahead of Labor and then all of Labor's preferences would go to the independent before they would go to the Liberal. And then the independent ends up beating the, uh, the Liberal. So you might get Liberal getting, say, uh, you know, f- let's say Liberal gets 49% of the vote and, and, and Labor gets... Uh, 20, you know, four, I'm doing it badly, 24% and you get against 27%. 27 plus 24 becomes 51 and the independent wins the election against the Liberal Party. Yeah. So that's you can play that sort of game in Australia. You can't play it in America or the UK. And because we can play that, because there's more of a chance. Right. Yeah, but uh, I, I wonder where I wonder how great the chance is though. Because when you you've, you've got to you've got to confront the media like we, I, was, I was talking about before. So you've got to confront mm. the the likes of, for example, on on two GB. We've got Sky News. You've got uh, the the ABC, which have to be neutral on on all things. And by being neutral, they you know as a public broadcaster, they'll never delve down in the detail and what your what your party will be bringing is a is a detailed argument not a soundbite argument because mm. but the media loves to deal in soundbites so like you know mid mornings on on 2gb one of their popular broadcasters mm. he's not very smart he's an ex-taxi driver uh is ray hadley uh who's you know the new alan jones you know he's one of these blokes who talks a bit like this you know and i've uh, spoken to ray on a couple of occasions actually he's a bit more a bit more a bit more of a thinker than you might expect. oh really anyway, okay. okay but yeah, yeah. but he could he could he would destroy you, I fear, because he'd be there going... Well, now, Ray's had me on. I've actually argued non-orthodox economics on Ray's program. I'll be happy to do it again in the guise of the new liberals. So, um, really? You know, like Alan... Because he would be, he would be there. Show, yeah, you know? he, he, you'd spend <laughs> Alan Laws. Jones. Really? Well, John Laws isn't so bad, is he? But, I mean, Alan Jones... <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, Ray Hadley would be there. I mean, I know what they'd be saying. First of all, I mean, if I was it's the, their producer feeding them the line, she'd be there going, well, you know, so we've got this. Uh, he's Australian originally, but, you know, he's not lived here for well, how many, uh, 10 years or whatever. Uh, he's an mm-hmm. academic, another one of these academics who believes he can be a politician. But just look at these crazy policies that he wants to come up with. He wants to, yep. Uh, yep. He, you know, he's, yep. he's going to be telling us that uh, we should have a basic income so you don't have to work. So you can, uh, and he if, wants if to you reduce on, uh, house prices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for those, you know. So if you if you're struggling to get a job, don't worry about it because the state's going to look after you. But where's all that money going to come from? Steve Keen mm. is going to create it out of nothing at all through this thing called modern monetary theory. It doesn't sound very modern to me. It sounds like taking us back to the dark ages. So money for everybody, eh, Steve Keen? Simple. Mm-hmm. Hey, you've nailed, you've nailed it. Yeah, and you're going to get that all I'll the time. Say, I'll say yes. And then, yeah, uh, and if he, la- if he laughs, I say, okay, if you're not going to listen, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk on Twitter instead. But if you want to have a listen, here's, the, here's, how, here's how the logic works. And, you know, you may have noticed that uh, Australians had an 11% increase in their savings this, uh, the, under the pandemic, which is surprising anybody. Have you noticed that that's pretty much the scale of the deficit? Etc. Etc. In other words, government deficits create private surpluses. Blah blah blah. Give it a try. If we don't get listened to, the the, the main thing we're hoping on is that the the, the, the really big difference between this and, and previous elections, certainly Don, in Don Chip's day with the Democrats, is the role of social media. So uh, Twitter, you know, is a bit of an echo chamber, nonetheless, but it's an echo chamber a lot of people tap into and journalists do as well. Um, you know, TikTok, Instagram. Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it's possible to undercut the, the mainstream media. And one of the targets that uh, Victor very much has in his sites is breaking up the Murdoch media. There should never be a level of concentration like this in media. And Australia's got, you know, states where 100% of the media is owned by Murdoch. That should never have been allowed and we'll break it up. Um, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to, uh, and it was, you know, we're going to break some toes in this, in this process. Of course, everyone is going to uh, point to 2008 and the bet that you had with Rory Robertson about uh, house prices. Oh, yeah, I'm going to cop that one for sure. Uh, you know, you said they were going to fall by 40%. They didn't. They've gone up and um, a lot since then. And, uh, yeah, you had to do the big walk. Did you do the big walk, by the way? Yeah, I did. I mean, I realised the whole that the whole thing was a. Oh, you had a T-shirt saying, "Yeah, I was huh? wrong about yeah. price prices." Ask me, ask yeah. me why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, we we I, that was sprung on me at a, a debate in Parliament House by Rory, uh, and in part the parliamentary library, uh, when I'd never met Rory before, and. Uh, never heard him before and he then started by saying that I, I was famous for making this call on house prices and I thought well I made the call on the 730 report you don't end up on the 730 report unless you're already famous for other reasons but anyway and he goes and says that you said the prices are for 40% and you can hear me on the recording saying over the top of him over 10 to 15 years mate but I'm willing to stand by it so in that sense I think we're talking in 2008 so the statute of limitations on that was 2023 uh, we never shook hands we never agreed to details I'm being, you know, you know, you know, I'm a fairly informal bloke. You and I've never, never shaken hands over the over the deal we have on on Patreon, mm. and uh, you know, we both live up to it because we're both uh, both ethical people. 
Um, but uh, I realised that's the last way you describe the property lobby. And I thought uh, the same after before the vote was before the bet was put to me. Uh, Rudd had doubled and trebled the amount of money given to first-time buyers. What he called the first-time owners boost, and I called the first-time vendors boost. So I knew prices are going to rise in the immediate term, just under the pressure of that boost. Well, and so on that, just it, on house prices. Okay, I hear, yeah. I hear your point. You know, the, yeah, yeah, but, but, but doesn't matter. You've yeah. got a very long explanation to what is going to be levelled at you time and time again. But just on that, absolutely, on, on house prices and trying to bring them down mm. to size, most mm. Australians are not going to like that. It's going to be very hard to vote for somebody well, this, who's this going to is, say we're going to devalue. Point, house this is one reason that working with victor has been quite intriguing because obviously that was the point if you're going to bring house prices down people are going to oh you know my, you know, my, my assets falling in value what you actually want to keep keep together is the equity you've got so if you have uh, you know house prices fall and you still owe the same amount of money your equity's fallen our whole idea is both to, to reduce house prices but also to reduce private debt Right. So if I've got, so if I've got two hundred and fifty thousand equity in a million pound house, mm. and what you'd see that you'd want to get that house price down to half a million, for example, you'd say, say eight, let's say eight hundred thousand. Let's not be too radical, but eight hundred thousand, and your and your debt falls to five hundred and fifty. So you still owe, you, you've still got two hundred and fifty thousand in equity, and you've got a lower level of debt. So it's actually easier for you uh, to pay down the remaining debt. Right. So how do you do that? How do you, you have a combination? You have two, I mean, this is one thing I've been delayed for because I've got to give a couple of talks in the, uh, the United States and, uh, and Europe next week on climate change. So I haven't finished writing up the policy. But the basic idea is to you know, what's, we're going to use what we call the pill, the property income limited leverage to, to legislate that you can offer initially uh, no more than, say, 15 times the rental income. Uh, of a of a property, you can you, for annual. Sorry, I'm to start that again. We're going to legislate what's called the property income limited leverage, so that the maximum amount of money that can be borrowed to buy a house would be some multiple of the annual rental income, actual or imputed, of that house. And we'd start say at fifteen, because at the moment it's probably about twenty. Okay, so that would say if you wanted to go and buy a house and you would previously have been allowed to get a million, uh, we'll we'll reduce that to seven hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, by just banning any any high level leverage on the basis of the price of the right. house, but if but if okay. I but if I sold my house for a million and I've I've paid it off in full and uh, the maximum I can sell it for is eight hundred, I'm two hundred thousand dollars worse off. Which is where the modern debt jubilee comes in, because everybody the whole idea is to is to reduce leverage. We've allowed far too much private debt to be accumulated. All the all the fetishing fetishizing of the level of government debt has ignored that Australia now has the second last highest level of household debt in the world after 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 uh, Switzerland, the third highest ever after Denmark, and quite possibly Australia will be in first pass place after a while, given given the bubble that's currently down there. So we have the most indebted households on the planet. That's got to be reduced, and we can do it using. Now, the accounting that lies behind modern monetary theory, giving everybody an injection of money from the government that's saying, you know, quite possibly, it wouldn't be necessarily all done at once, it'd be done gradually, but an idea of if you gave everybody an over 16 or over 18, $100,000, which had to be used to pay their debt down, you also give it to people who don't have debt and they get money that they can use to buy a housing asset, for example. So you enable the debt level, the people who, the example you gave a moment ago, they've got a million dollar house and 
like a $750,000 mortgage. Uh, and then uh, after it, they'd have an $800,000 house and a $550,000 mortgage. They've still got 250000 in equity. And in fact, because the debt level's risen while their incomes have remained the same, they've got more capacity to pay that debt down than they had beforehand. So you'd actually come out better for any people who currently own a home, while the reduction in price would mean that the you know, the young who are, who are excluded from being able to buy a house can now potentially save for a deposit. But my other point was what happens if I haven't got any 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 debt and I've paid off the full million, but I can only sell my house for 800, then I'm, I'm, I'm out, of, out of pocket by 200,000. Plus you've got 200,000 from the modern debt jubilee. What are right, you complaining but, about? Well, yeah, okay, that's nice. But if I still had a mortgage, I'd be getting that 200,000 plus. I'd be getting uh, the No, no, no. You, you just, you, you, if, you, if you got debt, your debt falls. If you haven't got debt, your buying capacity rises. Everybody gets the same amount of money. Right. And, and this, this, this is again intended to equalise because with the distribution of income and, and debt, it's the poor who get screwed by high levels of private debt. And so by reducing the overall level of private debt, you benefit the poor more than you benefit the rich. Right. Try saying all of this in uh, in 30-second sound bites on TV. So you'd need a roadmap, it's wouldn't you? It's going to be fun. It's, yeah. <laughs> it is going to be yeah, fun. But you, need a, you need a roadmap to, to, to get there so that people can follow and understand. And, uh, mm. yeah. So, look, uh, well, good luck with it all. I mean, my difficulty with it is that it changes our working relationship because I – I work for most of my income comes from an Australian bank who almost certainly would not like me to be uh, in any form of joint venture with a politician. So it makes it hard. So I'm sort of hoping, you know, for for, for Australia, I hope you get there. Uh, Selfishly, I hope you don't. Uh, so, so we can keep because I don't know how it changes our working relationship a little bit. But anyway, I guess. Mm. So what what are you giving your chances of uh, being successful in this? I'll sort of say one in five. I mean, the, the, with the Senate, is this, you need, you, first past the post, you need 14.5% of the population of the state to vote for you, fundamentally, uh, one-seventh. Um, because of the preference preferential distribution, you can potentially get there with 8%. Um, and we're hoping that with a combination of the recognition that the, the new Liberals have got, courtesy of, of Victor's campaigning on social media and the, and, the, and the team we're pulling together, and then my own name recognition, uh, maybe we'll get to the point where with the opt with the compulsory preferential, maybe we'll get past the eight or nine percent vote and I'll get uh, get a seat. So it, it's 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 not out of, it's not out of the realms of um, of possibility. And so the reason I'm doing it is because Victor decided to shift from the Senate to the House of Rep, House of Rep. So he had to get a replacement. He thought I was the best replacement. Right. So, how many senators are they putting forward? How many seats in the Senate are they putting forward? Oh, they're going to go for six. I mean, this is another part of it. People who don't know the Australian system, uh, there are twelve senators per state, and six of them are elected every every election. So the term is six, is two electoral cycles, which is now a maximum of six years. Um, so, but, so therefore, uh, to get to get elected, you need one seventh plus one vote. Uh, to get in, so there's six six each time, and therefore the major parties put forward six candidates. Uh, the smaller party, because it costs, I think it's two thousand dollars to register each uh, 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 candidate. Uh, then it tends to be too expensive for some of the small parties to have more than two or three. But we're going the whole hog. We'll have in each state we're going to have six candidates. Right, and you can see them all at thenewliberals.net.au. There's your uh, smiling photo, photo taken many years ago. Uh, and uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, Steve. Um, we'll uh, we'll we'll watch with interest. And this is the timing for this is going to be sometime next year, but we don't really quite know when. 
Yeah, that's the case. Again, the Prime Minister has the the right to call an election up to nine months before uh, he has to call one, which is on a three-year term. And so when does that? When does he have to call the next one then? Has to call it by May. All right. And uh, some thought he's going to call it in March or for March. They call it, uh, you know, uh, Malcolm McCarris, if you remember that old name from Australia, the electoral uh, analyst, he argues he's going to, Morrison will announce the election on Australia Day for, for uh, I think, March 13. That's his call. Uh, we're, we're sort of hoping that won't happen. We want, we want more momentum than that. Uh, and I've got a feeling Morrison will be so on the nose the time he's going to delay for as long as possible. Well, he but never I, know. Either, either now or the last possible moment, because things aren't going to get as they as they vaccinate and they find that things haven't bounced back as quick as they'd hope. It's going to be looking pretty bad for him, I would have thought. So if, yeah, if, that's if, right. If he, yeah. if he doesn't go now, he's got to go right at the very end. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. Oh well. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So there's a. You, you watch your question about co- your po- your policy on COVID because that will obviously will be front and centre as well. But that's a conversation for another. I don't. This is not going to become a party political broadcast, Steve. No. We're going to stop it. <laughs> nip it in the bud now. Okay. That's right. Okay. Just one. Back to the issues. Yep. Okay. Still <laughs> cool with uh, me. All right. Good talk. Catch you next time. Okay, bye. And um, we haven't recorded it yet, but we'll try and squeeze in another podcast this week before the end of the week, uh, which is looking more at issues than politics, I think. Uh, that's it for today, though. I'm Phil Dobby with Steve Keen. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.